And uh, one of the things that we're doing together is walking. We're walking every evening, uh, four or night, four or five nights a week. But when we walk, we walk really late at night so that nobody will see us. <laughs> we don't want to embarrass ourselves. And when we walk, we take a flashlight with us because there are some places on our walk where we need, if we don't have a flashlight, we're going from a fast pace to a insecure pace. And that has happened on a couple of occasions. But when we have the light, we know where we're going. We know where all the, the tricky places are and we're not afraid. But when we don't have that light, we're afraid. Jesus is the light of the world. He came to, to, to uh, show us the way. He ca- came and he gave us the direction that he wants us to go. And we can see. We can see clearly because Jesus is with us. So Isaiah chapter 9, he's the light. So I'm going to put this uh, little ornament up here reminding us that Jesus is the light of the world. In a... Uh, uh, Day 15 was Elijah and the sacrifice. Uh, uh, Israel had a lot of kings. Israel and Judah, the two kingdoms, had several kings. And some were good kings, but many were wicked kings. And one of the wickedest kings was Ahab. And Ahab was uh, leading the entire nation of Israel to worship the man-made God, Baal. And, uh, but Elijah, God's prophet, comes on the scene. God raises up prophets to uh, remind his people what his will for their life is. And we know the story of Elisha. He uh, brought together the, the people on Mount Carmel, all those prophets, those false prophets, and uh, he challenged the, the, the false prophet, prophets to call upon their God to bring down fire to consume the fat sacrifice. And, uh, and Elijah would do the same. And Elijah said, whichever God brings down the fire to consume the sacrifice, that is the God we serve. That is the real God. And we know the story that Elijah uh, called upon God. God consumed the sacrifice. And and Elijah is reminding us and the people of Israel that he alone is the God whom we worship, whom we serve. And there is only one God, and there is none other like him. So that was day 15. Day 16 is the story of Jonah, another prophet that God raised up. And uh, and even the prophets that God used, none of them were perfect. They they made mistakes. And uh, and all of these prophets, all of these these kings um, that we, we see in the Old Testament, they fall short. And it's reminding us that there is one prophet, there is one priest, there is one king who is coming. 
that, who will fulfill all those promises. But we see Jonah. Jonah was called upon to go to the city of Nineveh to, uh, to uh, proclaim uh, God's wrath upon Jonah's enemies if they didn't repent. Jonah didn't want the Ninevites to repent. Jonah wanted God to pour out his wrath on the Ninevites. And so Jonah uh, fled from God. And God had to send a big old fish to remind Jonah of who he is serving and what God wanted him to do. And, And so Jonah, God got Jonah's attention, and Jonah repented, and Jonah went to the city of Nineveh and was obedient to God. But again, we see that uh, Jonah was uh, imperfect, and that there was going to be a prophet uh, who wouldn't run from his enemies, who would face his enemies head on and love his enemies and die for his enemies. And that is in the person of Jesus. So we have Jonah. And then we have Micah in, uh, on day 17. Micah prophesying that uh, from this little insignificant town called Bethlehem, was going to come forth the shepherd king. Again, this is four to five hundred years before Jesus comes on the scene. But the Bible in the Old Testament, through the prophet of Micah, is reminding us, telling us from where God's son is going to come. So we have the Bethlehem ornament. And then we looked at uh, day 18. Day 18 was uh, concerning Esther. Esther uh, was uh, in, a, in a place where she had the ability, she was going to become uh, the queen of where she was living. But before she was queen, she had an uncle named Mordecai. Mordecai. This is when, uh, the, when, is, when uh, Judah was uh, carried off into captivity already. Mordecai, her uncle, was living there, and uh, Mordecai said, Esther, you're in a prominent position right now. The Jews are going to be um, annihilated unless you can intervene for God's people. Esther said, well, I haven't been... um, I haven't had the opportunity to go into the king's presence and plea with him uh, our circumstances. And uh, if I go to the king without an invitation, I could be killed. And uh, Mordecai said, well, Esther, you're going to be killed anyway if you don't take it upon yourself to go and tell the king what's happening to the Jews. And Esther is a picture of Jesus um, willing to be sacrificed on behalf of her people um, for their salvation. Esther goes. She pleads with the king. The king gets word, and he spares the Jewish people. But uh, Esther represents 
oh, uh, is a picture of what Jesus was willing to do for all of us in our salvation. So that's day 18. Day 19 was uh, Habakkuk. And Habakkuk is another prophet of, uh, of God. And uh, Habakkuk says that he is going to be the watchman on uh, God's wall for what God is going to do. And uh, again, this is uh, an ornament that we can put uh, on our tree. So that represents Habakkuk, and I'm going to be talking a little bit more about Habakkuk in just a moment. But uh, again, primarily, the message of Advent, as we've gone through uh, the passages of the Old Testament, is this. In all of these incredible promises, and these promises um, are amazing, that in all of those promises, there are going to be periods of incredible destruction. There is going to be upheaval in the land of Israel and Judah. And through all of that, we must continue to be holding upon God's promises. You may be going through upheaval in your life right now. And you don't understand why. But God's word reminds us that in spite of our circumstances, God is using it for his glory and your good. And one of the prayers of Habakkuk, Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2, Habakkuk prayed this, In your wrath... God, remember your mercy. And we need to remember his mercy because his mercy is available to all of us. And as we are going through those difficult times, scripture over and over and over again says, wait for the Lord. Because all of those promises, the Old Testament are found in times of of destruction, of disaster that is on the horizon. So when things look hopeless, when things look dark, when things are at their deadest, that is not the time to give up. That is the time to look up. Because, my friends, God is on his throne. Look at Habakkuk chapter 3. This is Habakkuk's uh, prayer of commitment to the Lord in beginning in verse 17. Habakkuk's in the Old Testament. It's one of the small small, uh, uh, books of the Bible. Verse 17 says this, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the oil fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herds in the stalls. Well, those would be some difficult times. Amen? Verse 18 says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. 
I will take the joy, I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my on my high places. This is the message of Advent. When God promises something, it doesn't mean it's going to happen tomorrow. God promised Adam and Eve that from the seed of woman will come forth a man who will crush the head of the serpent. You know how long it took for God to fulfill that promise? 4,000 years. God wants us to trust Him. God wants us to wait on Him, to look up, to know that God is going to provide. He may not change your circumstances, but He's going to give you the strength to get through the tough times. From the stump of Jesse, Isaiah 11.1, I am going to bring forth Life. There is going to be a shoot that's going to represent my son. And so that's the context of today's passage of Scripture. Today's passage of Scripture is in Luke chapter 1. Israel has been waiting. God has been silent in the life of Israel for 400 years. From Malachi to Matthew there were 400 years of silence. And so here Israel has been waiting, but, and, but not only has Israel been waiting, but our story this morning has to do with a, a couple, uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth. And this is an ornament of uh, Zechariah. We're going to put on the tree here. Not only has Israel been waiting, but this couple has been waiting. This couple has been infertile their entire married life. And they're now beyond the childbearing years. But God is about to break through the silence. And so if you have your Bibles, I want us to look at... uh, Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through verse 20. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. Abiah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no children. They had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him 
and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, Zachariah, before your prayer has been heard, and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. Behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because they did because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Zechariah. Uh, is in the temple. He is he is in the holy place. He's not in the most holy place. The most holy place is is uh, uh, is reserved for the day of atonement, and the and the high priest is to enter the holy of holies on the day of atonement. But every other day, a priest has a responsibility to go into the holy place, a place just before the veil that separates him from the Ark of the Covenant, the Holy of Holies. A priest is to go into that holy place and offer up incense to the Lord. And when a priest goes in, that is like the highlight of the priest's career. You see, because there's 18,000 priests in the land of Israel and Judah. They're uh, broken up into 24 different divisions. That means there's 750 priests per division. And two times a year, that division is to go to Jerusalem and serve the temple and the people who come there. And uh, each day... There's, there's a dice game. They're, they throw lots. And among the 750 priests, uh, they learn who the priest is to go into the holy, uh, the holy place and offer up incense. Well, the lot fell to Zechariah. Uh, this was Zechariah's big day. This is the highlight of his career. Once you serve... Once you have had the opportunity to offer up incense, you're not given the opportunity again uh, as, you, uh, as you serve as priests. And so here Zechariah is going into the, holy t- the temple, the holy place, and offering up incense. And when he does, he is met by the angel Gabriel. And what does Gabriel say in verse 13? Gabriel says, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Why does he say that? 
Zechariah was afraid. You know, he'd never seen an angel before, and so he is shocked. This is not something he was expecting. No other, pre- other priest had encountered this before, but here is Gabriel. And Gabriel says, Zechariah, do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. What prayer might Zechariah have been praying? Well, typically, this would have been the prayer. God, please deliver our nation. Send the one that Malachi promised. Send our Savior. Get us out from Herod. And to God, please give me and Elizabeth a baby like you did Abraham and Sarah. Amen. Now, I'm not so sure about the second part of that prayer. I'm not sure that, uh, that Zechariah and Elizabeth were still praying for a child. And the reason why I, I, I think that they probably had stopped praying for a child was um, how shocked Zechariah was when Gabriel mentioned a baby that God was going to give to Elizabeth. I mean, that's not something he was expecting because they knew, Zechariah and Elizabeth knew, that they were far beyond the childbearing years now. Basically, they had kind of given up hope. And because when Zechariah, when Gabriel said, for your prayer has been, been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, the Bible says he didn't believe. There's no way. Look how old we are, Gabriel. How is God going to... And because he didn't believe, the Bible says um, Zechariah was uh, disciplined. He wasn't going to be able to speak until the baby uh, baby was born. So here, Zechariah is in the temple. He's had this conversation with uh, Gabriel. Uh, he's taking a long time. People are wondering, what's taking Zechariah so long here? He tells them when he gets out, gets out or he has to write it down or something. But I want you to imagine... Zechariah going back home and telling Elizabeth this, writing this out. They had been waiting and waiting and waiting. And from Zechariah's response to the angel Gabriel in the temple, I imagine Zechariah and Elizabeth had given up hope that they would ever have a son or have a child. The message of Advent is wait for the Lord. And we don't like to wait, do we? We don't like wait, waiting in line at DMV. Now, for Ridgecrest folks, we don't. that's not too big of an issue. But if you're coming from a bigger community, waiting in line at DMV takes forever. 
we, we don't like waiting in line on uh, uh, Southern California freeways when there are parking lots. We don't like waiting for answers from a doctor following tests. Why does God make us wait? You know, if, if, we, if God were to answer, God would give into every demand that we have when we ask him of something. You know what? We would be full of ourselves. We would be focused on us rather than him. It would be all about us. But God makes us wait. Because he wants to remind us, it's not about me. It's about him. And many times in the waiting, God is preparing us for the answer. Before God works out your problem or my problem, God wants to work on me. God wants to work on you. That's what he's doing in the waiting. Look at the life of Abraham. Abraham and Sarah waited 25 years. When it was beyond hope, when things were hopeless, God says, I'm going to provide the son of promise. And in those 25 years, God was working on the life of Abraham and Sarah. God was building their faith. God was building their character. And when the son of promise came, and God told Abraham, I want you to do the unbelievable, Abraham. I want you to take your only son, the son that you love, Isaac. I want you to go up to Mount Moriah, and I want you to sacrifice him. God told me to do that to one of my kids I, I couldn't do it but God had been working on Abraham for 25 years Abraham knew the character and nature of God and what God was asking him to do and even though God, to Abraham it didn't make any sense Whatsoever, Abraham obeyed, and Abraham believed that God would give his son back to him. But God was working on Abraham's life in the waiting. And when Abraham obeyed, God was giving Abraham a picture, and God was giving all of us a picture of the cost of our redemption and what God was going to do in the future. Abraham, just like you love your son, so I love mine. And I am going to spare your son, but I am not going to spare my son. 
Because I love not only you, Abraham, but I love the people, the peoples of all the earth. This is how I'm going to bless all the families of the earth, Abraham, through the sacrifice that I'm going to give. Is God having you wait right now? Don't give up hope. The message of Christmas is wait on the Lord. He is preparing you for the answer. And so here we see Zechariah and Elizabeth's life. Three things I want to point out, what, what we can learn about this couple as, as we go through tough times as we don't understand our circumstances. The first lesson we can learn from Zechariah and Elizabeth is this. Bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to good people. Sometimes horrible and humiliating things happen to godly people. And that's what's going on with Zechariah and Elizabeth. They have lived their entire adult married life in disappointment and shame. Zechariah is a priest. Elizabeth comes from a, 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 a she's a daughter of a priest, and yet they have lived a lifetime of disappointment not having a child and growing being a married couple in in this culture and not having a child brings a lot of shame and disgrace on a person's life because if you're unable to have children then there's obviously something wrong with you you have sin in your life you're you're being disobedient to God and you're an outcast you're an outsider looking in and that's what's been going on with Zechariah and Elizabeth and you can bet that they had been praying for those married years. Think about their prayers when they were 20, in their 20s. You know, excited about being together, excited about the possibilities of their future, and praying, believing that God's going to provide. God's not coming through. And how stressful that had to have been. You know, I remember uh, Susan and I wanting to have more children and uh, how, how stressful that was at times because uh, uh, Susan wasn't getting pregnant. And I remember between uh, Allison and Kyle, Susan had a miscarriage. And that was a very difficult time in uh, our, our married life. And, and eventually Kyle came along. But between Kyle and Trevor, we wanted another child. And those were some stressful years because... Um, Susan wasn't getting pregnant. And here, Zachariah and Elizabeth, I mean, in their 20s, nothing's happening. Their 30s, they're continuing to pray, continuing to believe, continuing to have hope. Still infertility. Now they're praying in their 40s. 
And there's a sense of urgency. God, please. God, take away this reproach that is upon us. God, silent. In their 50s. Maybe they've kind of given up hope. God, you still did it for Abraham and Sarah, and so we're still trusting you, but their 50s come and go. Can you imagine? But here, Zechariah is in the temple. And the second thing that we learn from their life is this. God hears your prayers. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. God hears your prayer. Does God have you in a holding pattern this morning, friend? It doesn't mean that God's quit his job or anything of that nature. No, he hears your prayer. He's listening. And even though there were silence in the 20s and the 30s and the 40s and the 50s, God heard. Even though they may have given up hope many years before, God still hears the prayer. Let that encourage you if you're waiting on the, on the Lord right now. He's a God who sees. He's a God who knows. He's a God who hears. And then the third thing we can learn from Zechariah and Elizabeth's life is <clears throat> even though there's waiting You need, I need to be faithful even in the midst of that waiting, even in the midst of that disappointment. Look at this couple's life. They have lived with this shame, this disappointment, all their married years, and what are they doing? They are still being faithful to the Lord. Zechariah continues to serve in the temple of the Lord. He's still one of the priests. Elizabeth is still walking with the Lord. Verse 6 says, they're walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Even in the midst of their heartache. Folks, we need to get this message. Be faithful. Why? Because there is no other God. There is one God and one God alone. And He is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our life, despite the fact that He is not answering our prayer. This is Zechariah and Elizabeth. This is Habakkuk's prayer in Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. Let me go back and read that one more time. 
We are almost done. Habakkuk prayed this when he knew that there was going to be great heartache on the horizon for God's people. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. This was Zechariah and Elizabeth. This was Habakkuk's desire. And this is what God wants out of his children, out of us. Before God answers prayer, God is working on every one of us. And it's not just for you, but it is for the people who are coming behind you. We can learn from Zechariah and Elizabeth's life because they chose to be faithful in spite of the circumstances. And God wants us to have a word for our children and our children's children of who God is. Because it's not just about you, but it is for future generations. It was not just for Abraham, but it was for us. This is what I'm going to do, Abraham, not only for your redemption, but for all the peoples of the earth. We need to be faithful. And this is the message of Christmas, of Advent. Wait on the Lord. In the midst of chaos, wait on the Lord. The Christmas story. Jesus is born in a stable. It's chaotic. It's not what Mary and Joseph anticipated or dreamed of. They're in a pigsty. But God is at work. Be faithful. In the midst of disappointment, when God hasn't answered, when there is great reproach on you as a person, be faithful. When there's darkness, when there is hopelessness, when you feel insignificant, like your life doesn't matter. God does tremendous things through the smallest of locations. Bethlehem, barely seen on the map, and yet Bethlehem is going to be the location where God is going to bring forth his son. Stables. Deadness. The cross. Think of the cross. 
from a world perspective, looking at the cross, they killed God. It's over. The enemy thought it was over. But no, that's when God is doing his very best work. Trust him. Continue to be faithful, Christian. God hears your prayer. Bad things do happen to good people. But God has a purpose in all of it. This is the message of Christmas. This is the message of the Bible. Don't give up hope. Look up, for your redemption draweth nigh. Let's pray. God, I know that there are some people in this room this morning who needed to hear your words. God, I thank you for the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. God, they had lived with that disappointment and shame for all those years. And yet, God, you provided. And you took away their reproach. You took away their shame and disgrace. God, I pray that you encourage people in this service this morning. That they would wait on you. That God, that they would continue to be faithful in spite of their circumstances. Just like Zechariah and Elizabeth. Right where you're sitting. In this time of prayer. Would you pour your heart out to God? Share the yuck. Share the disappointment. Share the bitterness. He's a God who hears. He's a God who understands. And He's a God who loves you. Ask God for His grace to give you the strength to run like the deer. To be strong in Him even though you feel so weak this morning. God, I thank you that you hear those prayers. Help us, Lord, to be faithful. Because you're not just working in our lives. You want our lives to be a testimony 
to the generations that are coming behind us. Help us to be faithful to you. Always. Thank you, God, that you will never, ever forsake us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.